Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening. Fall is in the air. Big race season is in the air as well. We'll talk about all that and so much more coming up tonight on Horsepower Happenings. But first, here is what's happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR was at Bristol over the weekend, and of course, first and foremost for Bristol weekend, it was announced to start the weekend that Bristol Dirt is no more for the NASCAR Cup Series. When they return in the spring, the Food City 500 will be run on the concrete the way God intended it at Bristol Motor Speedway in 2024. This weekend, though, how about the uh, NASCAR Truck Series? Corey Heim, we used to watch him in late models, Richard. It's kind of surreal to see these guys uh, in the Truck Series now, but Corey Heim gets the job done. Late race pass to uh, pick up the victory on Thursday night. Then the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Everyone thought Dale Jr. was going to go back to victory lane. That was until he got too hot for his britches, pun fully intended, and uh, he had to pull in with a fire inside of that race car. Ended up burning up the uh, bottom part of his fire suit. He was okay. Justin Allgaier, though, would go on to get the win for the team. And then everybody's favorite driver went to victory lane Saturday. Denny Hamlin gets the job done. <laughs> Rich holds up the thumbs down. <laughs> Do you see somebody threw a cucumber at him? Uh, on the racetrack, I saw that that's, on social media that's, today. That's the wrong fruit, man. That's the, wrong it's, the, fruit. <laughs> it's the wrong thing to be throwing at Denny Hamlin, who picks up the win. Uh, and what a great showing. Can we talk about Carson Hosevar for a second, Rich? Uh, I know you and I didn't really get to watch the race, but Carson again in the 42 car for Legacy Motor Club and absolutely put on a great show. Um I don't think that he is going to struggle to find a Cup Series ride when the time comes, as long as he's got the background. Got him two more rides for this season still. Yeah. Added two today. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Lucas Oil Late Model Nationals uh, with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at Knoxville, Iowa. I got to watch some of this uh, show on Friday night before RTJ swept the weekend. Second driver in the history of the 19-year event to sweep. Collects a total of $57,000 over the weekend and now has 20 Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series wins in 2023-31 in total. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Have you heard of anybody in recent years with that many wins in a season? And they're not done yet. I know. RTJ is having himself a year, isn't he? 
kind of like Davenport did last year, didn't it? Yeah. Isn't he? If, yeah. I don't know that he's, you know, got the overall, you know, the top, the overall, you add up the money. Right. But man, win after win after win. It's like, and I, and I, and I think everybody had Hudson O'Neill on the radar for most of the season. Don't you? I mean, before the I season, think you're probably right. When, when he got that rocket house car ride, everybody's like, Oh, honey, Huddy's going to go on a roll. And then here comes here comes Ricky Thornton Jr. just kind of <laughs> stinking it up every week. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, hey, we had a big weekend. We kind of worked together, but kind of didn't. Uh, Rich, we uh, we we were at the Glass City 200 over the weekend. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, I got to work with Pit Row TV. I was a pit reporter, so you could have seen me on Track TV, Midwest uh, Midwest uh, TV dot TV, yep. Midwest Tour dot TV. And Racing America. So, uh, yeah, I was on multiple channels uh, all weekend. And you were up in the house with uh, my partner, Gary Lindahl. That's right. I got to tell you, your first time announcing with that hall, with a Hall of Famer, Gary Lindahl, how did you enjoy it? I'll tell you what, I know where you picked up all of your cues because I heard them all Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun uh, doing that. The most uh, enjoyable part of that whole experience for me was that I know that I still have a shot to be a respectable announcer because Gary mispronounced about as many names early in the day as I would uh, at a race. So uh, if Gary can mispronounce names and still be a Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, I think I got a shot to at least be a halfway decent announcer before it's all said and done. And he's not, he, you know, he's been doing it so long. He's not shy. He let us know how he appreciated us he, letting him know. You know what, Rich? I've never been so appreciated in one day. I got told I was number one more times than I can count uh, on Saturday. But it was all in good fun, and it really was fun. Uh, first ever time, Rich. Second ever time at Toledo. First ever time working at Toledo. Uh, Brandon Hamby, Ron Drager, uh, all the staff. It was just so great there, Rich. Uh, you already know that. And uh, the fans turned out, too. What a great ASA Stars National Tour race they got to see. 18 cars on the property uh, getting set to battle. A couple of late, unexpected arrivals. And, Rich, we had ourselves a dandy of a show. And, and really, the type of race that I don't think anybody would have expected out of a template late model race, fuel mileage came into play. At, at Toledo Speedway. Go figure, I know, right? yeah. And, and I, think when we, I think we all thought... You know, when it started out, um, this was going to be, I mean, I, this is what I thought. This is going to be the Paul Butcher show, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, he was strong from, he, he was your fast qualifier, was strong from minute one, uh, and wasn't really challenged. And then you got to the stages. And I think the first big thing that happened was in the first 25 or 30 laps when Bubba Pollard went down pit road and changed everything they had but the driver on that race car and then came back out and drove from the back to the top five. That was my view when I looked out there and I said, this race is not over yet. Well, and the other thing that was surprising to me and Gary was when we got to the uh, nearing the end of the second stage, we got a run on caution flags um, because at the end of the first stage, Gary and I looked at each other and were very surprised that no one of note really came down pit road. And then we got a caution with 101 laps to go, lap 99, just before the halfway break. And I said, Gary, everybody's coming. They're going to split this race in half. Everybody's coming. And nobody came down pit road. And so then it was just, we didn't even think about it. We just said, okay, they're going to wait till the end of stage two. Well, Rich, 
Vienna Stage 2 couldn't come fast enough. A late race or a, a late stage restart. Ty Majeski spins off the nose of Jesse Love. I think it was Jesse Love down the back straight away. And everybody thought, kind of looked at that sideways. And then we heard over the radio, ran out of fuel, needs pushed back to the pits under that caution flag. Cole, so it was Cole Butcher who turned him. Cole Butcher down pit road, ran out of fuel in the 28. Take the restart. Gio Ruggiero runs out of fuel, stops at the top of turn two. And nobody's still coming to pit road. <laughs> They're still trying to get to the end of the stage. And Jesse loves reading, leading the race. I know. The third. Yeah. The third Donnie yeah. Wilson's motorsports car. And I walked up to Donnie Wilson. I says, I, 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 I had to, right? Of course. I, I walked up to him and I said, Donnie, are you concerned yet that Jesse's going to make it to the, to the stage break? And you know Donnie Wilson, Zach. Oh, yeah. I couldn't say the words that he said. <laughs> but, yes, he was highly concerned. <laughs> Well, Jesse holds on, gets the stage two win, and uh, from there, Rich, everybody, every, I mean, have you ever seen this before at a CRA race? Every single car left on the racetrack came down pit road at the end of stage two. Typically, you'll get the lap cars or, or something that'll stay out. The pace truck, the CoughlinCars.com pace truck was the only vehicle around Toledo Speedway at the end of stage two. What a busy pit road. And I think what set that up, Zach, I was thinking back and I was like, what caused this, right? I have to go back to the Red Bud 400. It's the only thing that I can come up with. And Gary and I talked about that a lot. Yeah. When when Cole Butcher was the only one not to come down pit road and get tires. Yeah. And ended up and when everybody else at the end of the race had fifty laps on the right side and two fifty on the lefts. That's right. right. Cole Butcher had fresh tires on each side because he came down on a caution and then came down on the on the brake at the last stage and he had, so he had four fresh tires at the end with 50 laps to go and he drove through the field i think they let that cat out of the bag <laughs> and everybody jumped jumped on that strategy and that's why the only thing different that i saw on pit road at that last stage is some teams chose to take stickers and some teams chose to take scuffs and that was just whatever you however your car was set up whatever your crew chief felt comfortable with but that was the only difference everybody was taking four tires and everybody loaded up on fuel yeah well it ended up being a great race jesse love uh goes on to get the win rich and uh how about our buddy chase berta bringing it home in third a nice run for him uh andrik dimayuga my new favorite race car driver uh i wouldn't say that but one of my new favorites Another top five. He hasn't finished outside of the top five at all in his uh, United States racing career, so that's pretty good for him. And, of course, Bubba Pollard with a nice uh, a nice run there as well in fourth. I, I, t I talked to Andrik uh, down there uh, on the front stretch after his run, and uh, I reminded him of the comment he made to you at Winchester. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I said, and I asked him what, it, what he thought of, you know, now, now that you've ran a few of these, what do you think about super late model racing? And, and, and what have you learned? He says, you have no laps off. You, you have, have no to laps go every yeah. single lap, you yeah. know? And, and he's right. These guys, these guys pressure you every single lap and, and they're good enough and they can run, especially when they have these stage breaks. Um, these guys are plenty good to run 75 lap sprints and give them a little bit of a break and go back out there and do it again. For sure. Well, Rich, uh, that was a great big weekend. Uh, a lot of fun uh, working with the folks of ASA and, and CRA. And uh, so a lot of fun with that. But now, Rich, I'm going to lean on you a little bit because we look ahead to this coming weekend. It's not in your script. This is off the cuff. Uh, another big weekend coming up. And uh, there's a lot of big races 
in this month, but this one feels like it has more energy behind it than in recent years. And, of course, I'm talking about the Owasso Nationals and the Bob Finley Memorial for the Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Models, Rich. The energy, the anticipation, the buildup for this year's Owasso Nationals, Rich, I think is unmatched from any year before. It sure is, and um, it's not breaking my heart. I I, I loved being um, at Owasso for the Reveal the Hammer Hammer event, and I, I I talked to a lot of the guys at Birch Run, right, at the big one a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's no secret, Zach, that I love the Outlaws, and, um, man, I'm hearing there could be 35 to 40 Outlaw Super Late Models at Owasso Speedway this weekend. If I show up there and there's 40 outlaw late models, I may never come back. Zach. <laughs> you'll be in heaven. Uh, you'll absolutely be in heaven. Over $6,000. Um, wait a minute. Hold up. That was when it was originally scheduled. Now we're plus 20000 on the top of that payout, Rich. This is money that the outlaw super late model field probably hasn't ever seen or at least hasn't seen in a solid decade. Uh, this yeah, now let's multiply this, Zach. It's also a Reveal the Hammer championship. It's also a Quad Crown championship at Owasso Speedway. Which is a $10,000 payout. A whole lot of money yeah. when you add all that together uh, on the line this Saturday. It is flat out huge with a capital H. What are some of the things that you're looking for? I mean, I think of when I think Owasso Speedway and, and Outlaw Super Late Models here of late, I think about attrition, and then I think about Dan Leak running out of fuel, and then I think about, you know, this guy having this problem and this guy having this problem. And we talked with uh, Bozell when he was just kind of the next guy in line that was still standing to win the last race at Owasso. Uh, what, what are some of the things you're going to be watching for this weekend? Um, wondering if Phil Bozell cranks it up a bit and, and kind of goes for the money, or is he watching the points? There's a lot of money in the points, and he even told us that, right? Um, I, I didn't want to do anything. We were in a good spot in the points and I didn't want to anything to, you know, cause, cause any problems for us in that, but $20,000 come yeah. on. <laughs> now, Steve needles coming back. Uh, how, how can Steve needles, Steve needles had a strong race car, Chad Finley coming back. Both of those guys had problems in the last race at Owasso. Um, and we're both very strong up front. If they don't have issues, can they take home the twenty thousand dollars? Mark, I Shook? think absolutely. Can we talk about Mark Shook? I mean, that guy, that yeah, cat, that, that that cat has been on a new level this year in Outlaw Super Late Model Racing. Sits tied for fourth right now with Scott Hans, thirty three points back of uh, Andy Bozell, Harold Fair, uh, and Phil Bozell in in the Outlaw uh, standings at Owasso Speedway. So um, this <laughs> this is this has got the potential to be really competitive. And, and we can't. I mean, if, if I leave somebody out, they're going to say, Rich, why didn't you mention me on the show? Right. But, but man, you can go down the list. I mean, like you said, Andy Bozell won the, won the big one uh, at Birch Run last time out. Justin clardy has been running good all year long. I mean, just go down the line. And Blake Childers, you can't look past Blake Childers at, at any at Birch Run or Owasso. Former ever. winner. Former right? winner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so where do you go? Um, I think it's just going to be incredible. Could could 15 guys win it? Absolutely, I think so. So I'm looking at this. 45 cars have registered with Owasso Speedway this year, and uh, there's nothing else on the Outlaw Super Late Model schedule on Saturday except for $20,000.
Yeah, it's pretty vacant till October. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they got uh, – it, it's just going to be – I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to get there awfully early on Saturday if I have to take a nap in the car or something. Can I do something to you I haven't done in a long, long, long time? Sure, what is that? I'll take Mark Shook on Saturday. Way too early predictions for the uh, for the, uh, the the Bob Finley Memorial. I'll take Mark Shook. Really? Yep, I'll take Mark Shook. I think it's time. He's been so close. He's won some other stuff this year. Give me the 14 car to go to victory lane Saturday night. Are you going to make me make one? Uh, duh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, well, see, you could do that because they don't have to see you. You're not going to be <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, but, but, but what you can do is give them my number, but, oh, wait, I'll be north of the Mackinac Bridge. I won't get their call till Monday. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, when I make mine, they're gonna, <laughs> now they're going to ask me when I show up, why didn't you pick me? Uh, I am going to go out a limb and say they might, may not have to change the name on the trophy. How about that? Okay. All right. Yeah. There, you might see that name twice on the trophy. How's okay. that? Okay, that is a strong prediction. As he confirmed to have a car ready to go, you know, they had an engine expire uh, earlier this year, and so that kind of put things in question. I've not heard that they haven't. Okay. That they were going to miss it. I thought I would think that would be big news if they were going to have to miss it. You're talking about Chad, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Man, that would be an upset. I, I can we Can you believe that Chad Finley is an upset? But I think it would be, don't you? Um, I don't think so. Did you see what he did last time before that motor broke? I don't know. I don't know. Chad likes it when I call him the underdog or when I start talking bad about him. So maybe that's the stoking of the fire that he needs. Yeah, um, just tell me, a dirt driver ain't going to win this race. There's no way. But now, so, but remember, the old Owasso, he does have an Owasso Nationals win on the old Owasso, but he doesn't have near the laps that all these other guys do at the new Owasso. I don't know if that's going to matter or not. I have to take a backup just because I'm not 100% and and I, and I haven't been that tied in. But if for some reason they don't have an engine, um, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Steve Needles. I think those are the top two. I, the last race, they were the top two cars. They seemed like they were the best at the time. Um, Blake Childers can win every night, so I, I don't if he wins, then I'm just going to take a beating because he, he really possibly can. But uh, those are the two that I would pick right off the top. Finley and who? Yeah. Finley and who? Needles? And Steve Needles. Yep. Finley and Needles. So that means I need a second just to keep it even, and then we'll stop yep. there. So I'll take Mark Shook, and I'm going to say that they put a three-gallon bigger fuel cell underneath the 5L machine. And I think, <laughs> I think Dan Leak, if he could ever get that thing to stay full of fuel – Really could win this race. I th I like Dan Leak as my second. Is he driving the five machine? I that's a I don't know. Uh, so I didn't say the five car. I said Dan Leak. So yeah, whatever okay, car so Dan Leak <laughs> at, the, at the big one. Dan Leak drove his own car. Okay, okay. All right. And Bobby Blount's two machines were sitting there. All right. Okay. All right. So I don't know how that's working out if he's driving that machine at Owasso or not. Uh, I'm thinking he probably is, but there's no guarantee. Give me Dan Leak and Mark Shook as my picks for this weekend's Owasso Nationals. Um, and what are we putting on it? Nothing. Uh, but but it'll be fun to, nonetheless to see how that all unfolds. So got to put a couple Pepsis on it, man. You're going to make it interesting. You're going to have coverage for us this weekend. Is that right? Cover? Yeah, oh yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm, we'll have uh, we'll keep everybody updated throughout the day through practice. Uh, qualifying, we'll get some videos, maybe we'll get some interviews. I would have loved to have been there, Rich. This has been a planned family weekend. It's so hard, you know that, during the race season, when you see an open spot on the calendar, you have to take it. And uh, so, unfortunately, the Bob Finley Memorial got rescheduled, but 
Uh, Got to put the family at the top on this one, and so we're going to send you to the Owasso Nationals and uh, the Bob Finley Memorial. I know you'll do a great job with that, and uh, it's going to be right up your alley. You and the Finleys are tight. You and you and Jeff have a lot of fun, and uh, of course, uh, Chris and and uh, Roger will be there as well as uh, some other folks that that we know. So it's going to be a, a great weekend, Rich, and a, a huge weekend as well. Did I see that camping is is sold out for the Owasso Nationals? I think I saw that. Oh yeah. Yep. Wow. Not one camping spot available. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm going there Saturday and coming home Saturday. I'm not, okay. <laughs> I got a tea time on Sunday morning. I got to make. No. Uh, good stuff. No, no. Actually, actually, it works out. You know, we're kind of got it flipped. So I'm working this weekend. The following weekend, I have nothing. Okay. Yep. So I get my one week break. And then when I come back, I have the Arkham Menards Championship at Toledo with the 50-lap Outlaw Super Late Model feature, 3,500 to win oh. at Toledo, okay, the same day. Um, and then the next week, Zach, we are at Winchester. Wild. Uh, so next week is kind of an off week. Uh, uh, Emily and Doug, who you know, they worked with us uh, with the American Ethanol Tours. Uh, they're getting hitched, uh, so I get to go to that wedding next week. The following week, Great Lakes Super Sprints finally put a bow on the entire season. They'll be at Waynesfield Raceway Park to get things going on the 7th. And then, yeah, Winchester Speedway on uh, the weekend of the 13th for the uh, Winchester 400. And then just a few weeks later, All-American 400. And then after that, it's question marks until we get to the St. Louis Dome with our friends from CNT Services. And we'll talk more about that as that gets closer. Yep. Let's take care of a little bit of house cleaning we had on the script here, Zach. We need to to get caught up here uh not a whole lot of racing going on but crystal motor speedway had their great lakes nationals friday Derek hilliker won the 40 lap late model feature aj ward grabbed the 40 lap imca mod event modified event saturday uh max frank took the great lakes traditional sprint event there at crystal by a margin that was less than a blink of an eye rich uh are you kidding i, I don't know if you saw this or not uh 0.024 at the line, Max Frank beats out uh, Stevie Irwin for the win. And if you're wondering what .024 looks like. A uh, rivet on the nose wing? So what? there's a great picture from TJ Slideways that was sent to me. Um, you have, you have so imagine a sprint car frame. The front bumper of Steve Irwin's car is in the center of the front wheel of uh, Max Frank's car. Oh, my gosh. So it's, it is pretty darn close. <laughs> Pretty darn close. close. So good job there. And then at Butler Motor Speedway, Tyler Rankin grabbed the 25 lap 410 sprint car win. Uh, Trey McGranahan wrapped up the 23, uh, 2023 points championship. And Corey Bubert again in victory lane. Zach, uh, UMP modified honors in their 20 lap feature. Robbie Henderson took the track championship for the UMP modified. We talked to Corey a couple of weeks ago and we said, uh, You're getting in the car late. Surely you guys are going to race into the fall. This tells me for sure that eight-cent car is going to keep unloading out of the box. That's two wins in about five weeks. That's pretty good uh, for a team that hasn't seen the racetrack at all. Yeah, he when he came back, he got a little urgency in front of him, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, time, Rich, to get into our first interview. And uh, as we already talked about, it's championship season. And so now it's time for those championship interviews. And this young man had to work for his championship, his first career championship coming this season at Butler Motor Speedway in the Pell's Tire 410 Sprint Car Division. Makes his home in Avon, Indiana. Trey McGranahan, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. 
Thank you guys so much. It's a pleasure to be on here. Well, there's the word spoken back to you for the first of many times, and nobody can take it away from you at this point. 2023 Butler Motor Speedway track champion is Trey McGranahan. How does that feel? Yeah, it uh, it definitely feels awesome, especially all the work that we had to put in through this season. Um, lots of adversity that we faced this year, but um, ultimately we got the job done. You know, not a not a championship that came, with, as you mentioned, without some adversity and without some work. Um, this final week of the season here that you guys just completed, and, and Rich pointed this out last week uh, during our show, one of the latest season finales that we've seen in the state. Um, you needed this show to go off, and then you needed this show to go off without a hitch. Uh, you came into this in a great battle with Logan Easterday. Talk about the preparation, and, you know, there was the new team side of it, too, that I want to talk about a little bit later. But let's let's just right now focus on the week leading up to this, knowing that you are going to try to be on your A game, but so is Logan uh, for a shot at, at this championship. Yeah, definitely. Um, all year, Logan has been really consistent, and just hats off to the whole Easter Day racing team. Um, it's been a pleasure racing against them all year. And so, um, yeah, let's talk about your side, and I think you were getting ready to go there. I kind of interrupted you. What does your side look like preparation-wise, mental side of things? Where's your head at as you're getting ready for Saturday? Yeah, so we were going into the week, um, I believe, eight points ahead, which is only four spots for the people that aren't too familiar with the point system there at Butler. Um, but I just I knew I had to be really consistent. Um, didn't mess anything up because Easter Day and their team they're they're really consistent they're really good um but yeah I just I had to be I had to be on my A game so we took the extra time this week to to prepare make sure everything was good on the car um and just really go in there with our heads on straight with um our eyes on the prize Hey, I'm more concerned with throughout the season you know Butler seemed seems to be, uh, as I've tracked it all year, you can have different guys showing up. You may not have a lot of guys showing up every single week, but if there's a, a 410 series that's off or something, they're gonna, they may come to Butler and play. And if you're trying to go after a championship, um, that's spots for you. How, is, how important was it to make sure your, your car and you performed well on those nights as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you just got to treat every week like it's uh... – it's another week, you know, um, you can't worry too much about all the guys coming in that are, that are quote unquote dogs, you know, um, like the Gurley, Rankin, Nida, those guys, Lucius, um, they all come into town and you know, you're going to be racing against them for a top spot in the, in the feature. So you just, you really just got to just know what you're going into, um, and just run your own race. Um, just be consistent and really just focus on what you need to do and everything should work itself out. Well, Trey, let's introduce you a little bit to, to the folks who are hearing Trey McGranahan and track championship and trying to put the puzzle together on their own. Um, you come from a, a background of, uh, well, Circle City is, is a big part of your background. And so talk to me about where, where your racing career stems from that's brought you to this point. Yeah, so I grew up racing quarter midgets uh, here locally in central Indiana. Um, Mini Indy Speedway raced there for five or six years growing up. 
um, at the age of nine. Um, and then we kind of just slowly developed into the mini sprint scene. Uh, ran at US 24 Speedway a lot, Circuit City in Peru, Indiana. Um, you know, these tracks here in Indiana, they have consistent, solid competition. So growing up as a young kid, racing against uh, Emerson Axum, Zeb Wise, those guys around here, you really learn a lot and learn from those guys that, you know, have a ton of experience. Um, being a low-budget racing, we didn't always get the chance to travel all, all over to different races. So we just had to kind of pick and choose the races that we wanted to attack um, and really have to go in and, and learn as much as we can in a short period of time. Um, I'm going to, I'm gonna, we're going to kind of dance around this next subject. So you, you, you do your time. Uh, you have a really good 2021 season, uh, three wins on the, my race pass app, uh, between us 24 and circus city. And then at some point, uh, you get a call from, from a guy who is notorious for bringing in young up and coming talent, putting them in a race car at, at Butler. Um, and, uh, it's kind of your, kind of your breakthrough opportunity into sprint car racing. How did that come about? Yeah, so we had Mel, uh, met Shelby Bilton um, in my last year of micro sprint racing. And when he came to Circle City uh, at the Marion County Fairgrounds here in Indianapolis with a couple of his drivers, we we were also running the micro sprint race um, in parallel. So he got a little bit of a um, meeting here with me and my dad, um, and we just kind of felt like it was time to take our next step and uh, take a leap into the 410 scene. So we um, we really just took off with that and learned as much as we could. Great. You're only 19 years old. How, how, how difficult or was there any pressure? Did you feel any pressure um, to, you know, accelerate your learning process? Because uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of champions, you know, you know, in a 410 sprint car uh, that are your age, that are young. These guys have usually been around a while and and it have really, uh, you know, tr you know, traveled around quite a bit. Yeah, you just, um, I feel like you just got to put yourself in position to do good throughout the whole season. It's a, it's a marathon, it's a marathon, not um, a sprint, so to say. So you just have to really pick and choose what you want to do um, and take your chances with the, you just got to take your chances um, when you can, you know. Let's talk about uh, the transition a little bit from micros and minis and 600s and things of that nature, uh, sprint car racing, and then jumping right up to 410. And, and, you know, we know guys that will skip all other divisions and try and go 410 racing because they don't have any bad habits to break uh, to, to, to get into sprint car racing. Obviously, when you're talking sprint cars and open wheel, 410 is the top unless you're going to Indy. Um, so what was that What was that transition like for you? Was it an easy transition to come out of those, um, you know, 600s and uh, micro and mini sprints? Um, it was definitely difficult. Um, the first few races, obviously the horsepower difference in a sprint car versus a mini sprint is very drastic. So, and they also drive very differently. Um, our micro sprint had a pan hard bar rear end in it and 
the sprint cars have Jacob's ladders in it. So they drive very differently just based off that aspect. Um, but the sprint cars have so much power. They, they're very, um, it feels like you're pretty much just wrestling them around. <laughs> um, and you just gotta, you just really have to be smooth, you know, um, smooth with the throttle is the biggest thing that I had learned this, um, past two seasons is really throttle control and being smooth with the steering wheel everything works in parallel so just being easy on your equipment and um just trying to be as smooth as you can will help out the best Craig, you said it's a big learning curve to jump into four tens did you did was there anything ever in your mind that says maybe i need to you know try to find a 360 ride first just to start figuring this stuff out because zach and i talked to a lot of 360 drivers throughout the year and not all of them can, can you know, are, are very successful in 410. And then also when you're talking about Indiana and Ohio, right, you have the 305 divisions that are available down there and the crate engine divisions. I mean, there's there's options down there uh, to, to ladder your way to 410 sprint car racing. Yeah, definitely. Um, taking the chance with Shelby Bilton and his 410 program was pretty much my only opportunity that I had to take um, the next step. So that was kind of the only chance that I really had to move up. So, you know, I took it um, and learned as quickly as I could. Um, and I was confident in my ability to adapt to a different car. It was more or less just learning um, how to keep the rear tires under the car. So in a micro, you're pretty much just standing on the throttle um, and steering the thing. But in these, you can't just necessarily stand on the throttle all night long the track blows off if you try to stand and throttle you're just going to burn your tires down the straightaway so that's the biggest um the biggest learning curve that i really had is keeping the car underneath myself and just being patient and um just being smooth let's go back to 2022 your rookie season in the 410 sprint car um and you get the job done right i mean it doesn't take that long either rich june 18th um, you park it in victory lane in that number 27 machine. You beat drivers, by the way, you started on the pin, went to victory lane. You beat drivers by the name of Jason Blonde, Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, Max Stambaugh, now two-timed and defending Great Lakes Super Sprint Series champion and Great Lakes Northern Division champion and All-Star Circuit of Champions Rookie of the Year. Tyler Rankin, uh, everybody knows Tyler's ability around Butler. Kyle Locke, Josh Turner, defending champion, or I think future, future champion in 2022, um, just to name a few, Corbin Gurley in this race as well. Um, this, a pretty good field of sprint cars that you beat back in June of 2022 to, uh, put it in victory lane. Take me back to that night. Yeah. So I, I believe that was our fourth or fifth night out, um, in the sprint car that year. And Shelby building is, he can, he can hook up a sprint car around Butler motor speedway. He's been there a few years. Um, and he knows what it takes to put a car in victory lane. So I feel like it was just kind of my job to to drive the car. Um, we started front row, I believe, that night first and led every lap. So just took the lead, and I kind of just tried to run away from everybody, run and hide. I knew we had a big group of cars coming behind us, but I was confident in our team's ability to uh, win that race. So I just had to stay calm and do my thing. You just had to do your job, which is not always easy at Butler. Uh, no wall around the outside, uh, kind of a, can be a rim heavy racetrack, can be a bottom heavy racetrack. Um, that place is hard to navigate. And, uh, so starting on the pin doesn't guarantee a win. 
15 races that year for uh, for for the uh, Shelby Bilton crew, including it looks like uh, maybe a, a a thought about going to Lincoln Park Speedway on a Tuesday in August, but that one doesn't work out. Um, so a feature win, six top fives, ten top finishes in year one. Now, Trey, we go to 2023. Are we thinking championship right out of the gate when, when we unload in 2023? Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's the goal every year. We uh, You got to set the bar kind of high. You know, we 22, we won the rookie of the year, so I feel like that was our next step and our next goal that we really had to set um, set a little milestone on. So that was definitely marked on the calendar to achieve that goal. Um but yeah, I feel like I feel like you can't set the bar too low either. So you come out, your first time finishing outside of the top ten doesn't happen until this is kind of ironic, June seventeenth of twenty twenty three. Your worst finish to date coming almost on the anniversary of your best finish. Um, guys like Danny Sams, Tyler Rankin, Darren Nida, Keith Sheffer, Jason Blonde, Stanbaugh, Turner, all finishing ahead of you that night. Um, but just showing consistency, how, how good you can be, because then uh, after that you bounce back to fifth, uh, to seventh, you know, a, a, another struggle in July. Um, but then, you know, you kind of, that middle part of, of July through August, things got a little rocky right there, uh, no pun intended. Trey, what, what, is, what is happening on, what is happening in the dog days of summer with, with that team and uh, kind of where's the mindset? What's the mental state right there where, where things are kind of not really falling apart at the seams, but starting to get frayed? Yeah, you know, um, every race is difficult. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta really be soft and, um, safe on your equipment. Cause as you see that the season is long. Um, so halfway through the season, we kind of ran into, um, part failures and stuff like that, not having um, backups for certain stuff. So when stuff would go bad, we kind of get in a little bit of a slump. Um, and the last last few months really had been disappointing in the way we were finishing, starting off the season. We had a good year um, going for us and kind of ran into a brick wall, it felt like. But uh, you just got to recover and go into the next week with your head up and uh, forget about the last week and really just keep moving forward. Was there a turning point, Trey, uh, as you worked your way through August and into September where you said, you know, we got a shot at this thing? Yeah, for sure. We were, we had been leading the points race um, since I believe the second week uh, of the season. So I knew throughout the whole year, we definitely had a shot at, at winning this championship. Talk about the uh, decision here coming down the stretch to, and again, reading the release, uh, you know, that, that you guys made a mutual decision to part ways with, with Built Motorsports and then team up with uh, Brian Peterson to finish out the season. How did that come about um, and, and Brian stepping up to the plate to make sure that you could run for this championship? Yeah, um, I think coming down to the later part of the season, um, us and built in motorsports just had a little bit of a difference in philosophy of how we thought things needed to be handled and need to be addressed. So, um, we mutually agreed that it was time to part ways. Um, and Brian Peterson stepped up with an offer for us to 
for us to drive his car for the last remainder of the two weeks to try and chase this championship. Because after after our last race with Bilton, I think we we didn't make the feature, so we lost quite a bit of points there. And I think we ended up going down like twenty or thirty um, points. So we really had to to come up with something quick and fight back as hard as we could. Was there uh, when you're when you're having this opportunity to come up and Brian says, "Okay, uh, you can drive my stuff." Is there nervousness? Is there concern that it won't fire off the way? I mean, we've we've seen this so many times. Rich Ryan Rule comes to mind right away. Uh, leaves a team that he was absolutely dominant with with Smith Motorsports, and then is put through the cycle and just cannot get settled in with another new team um, due to crew chief or setup or or whatever the thing is. And Ryan's just one example. Uh, Trey, is there any concern about that when you're getting ready to race for Brian? Um, you know, there's always a possibility of stuff like that happening. Um, but not so much. I didn't feel like we were, we would have many problems like that. I know Brian is, um, very meticulous. I have nothing but good things to say about, um, Brian Peterson. He's been, he's been flawless working with him these past two weeks. Um, you know, he very meticulous on how he, maintains his equipment and goes over everything very thoroughly throughout the week. So I I felt very confident going into these last two weeks that, that we'd be able to finish strong. Craig, I ask you now, you, you know, you, you jump in another car for the last two weeks, you pick up the championship. Um, what is your status for 2024? Um, not too sure yet. We're, uh, we're still kind of riding the high of this past weekend of winning the championship, but um, definitely being a Central Indiana boy, I'm really interested in this new Maverick series that that they've kind of flirted with around here. Yeah, and and we uh, we were interested in that too, right? Uh, you're you're from Indiana, wing sprint cars coming to Indiana. Some excitement uh, about that? Definitely, definitely. Um, there hasn't been too much wing 410 racing here uh, historically in Indiana, but especially when I was growing up, it was just all I can remember is non-wing sprint cars, which still are very cool, but um, I think wing racing kind of takes the top of the totem pole. And I think to build on Rich's, the root of Rich's question is, okay, you finished out the year with Brian, you started the year with Shelby, um, do you have a do you have a race car to to set your seat in next year in twenty twenty four or is that still a work in progress as well? Uh yeah, that's definitely still a work in progress right now. Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll figure some things out as they as the off season progresses, but um, definitely got a couple things in mind. You know, it's uh, it, it's pretty hard to say no to somebody who's figured out a way to become a track champion in four ten sprint car racing. In his second season, I think maybe, Trey, the only question that somebody would have is, are you a one-trick pony? Because uh, most of your starts, if not all of your sprint car starts, have come at Butler. So what would you say to somebody who says something like that? It says, okay, well, you, you, you've proved yourself at Butler, but what about going to somewhere else? What about going to I-96, Fremont, Attica? Uh, you know, let's go down to Circle City or to, uh, not necessarily Circle City, but, you know, to Kokomo or things like that where, uh, the best of the best are there. It's a hammer down racetrack all the time. Um, what what do you, how do you feel about that? 
I'm all in for it. Um, I'm all in, man. That, uh, that is definitely a dream of mine. Definitely going into this 410, 410 deal two years ago. Eventually I wanted to become a full-time sprint car driver. Um, that's been a dream of mine since I was a little kid, but I feel like not having very many shows at different tracks, um, is definitely a hiccup in my resume. However, I feel like my driving abilities and the things that I've proven there at Butler, um, can speak for itself and hopefully land some new opportunities. And I would say too, Rich, just real quick, I was just thinking about this. In your defense, Butler, the only weekly sprint car division, uh, uh, weekly sprint car track in Michigan, they're the only weekly 410 thing happening around here uh, that isn't all-star circuit of champions or world of outlaws. I mean, you could go run, uh, you know, fast on dirt, but that's a lot of Southern Ohio and and mid-Ohio, so that's kind of hard to get to. Um, which I think is why probably the Maverick series is so intriguing right now to so many guys who have 410 wing sprint car programs that maybe are just taking the wing off and suffering through some USAC shows because that's all you've got in Indiana. Yeah, you know, that's definitely a, that's definitely a possibility around here in Indiana. There, you know, there's not too many teams around here that I know of that have wing programs just for the fact that some of these guys don't want to travel four or five hours to out of state to run different wing tracks. So they would rather, you know, build a, build a non-wing program. Like you'd say. Well, Trey, as the Butler motor speedway, 2023, uh, 410 wing sprint car champion. Now's your chance to give a shout out, uh, to everybody who made this all possible for you in 2023. Yeah, definitely. Um, want to give a big thanks to Shelby Bilton. Um, the opportunity that he has given me the past two years um, to get my feet wet in this sprint car is definitely, I won't, I won't, um, I won't ever forget that. And I'm really thankful for that opportunity with that team. Um, and then I want to thank Brian Peterson for the opportunity to finish out the season. Um, without his help either, I wouldn't, wouldn't have won the championship. So, you know, those two guys are very crucial um, factors in my success over the past couple of years, as well as Engine Ice uh, Performance Coolant, Coleman Power Sports, Pole Family Farm, Scott Zorman, um, my mom, my dad, uh, my brother, my uncle Dallas, you know, Austin Knauss, uh, Dakota Sprague, those guys have worked all year on my cars. So without them, most of this stuff wouldn't be going around the track without their hard work and help. So all those people, thank you, kudos. Um, appreciate all the help. And man, I was going to say this too because I think it it speaks to your uh, marketability, or at least uh, the confidence they have in you. Engine Ice has been with you for quite some time, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Uh, this is going on our fourth year, so um, they've definitely believed in us, and we believe in them too. So we're both trying to build our brands um and without them i definitely would not even be in a sprint car right now so big big thanks to them engine ice performance cooling and scott lukaitis uh brian emmerich both those gentlemen are um big big success in my um short career trey it's uh you've built a great fan base early in your career from from butler who's uh, you know, they, they pack that place with sprint car fans 
including that All Star Show, man. What what about that too? I, I want I meant to ask you about that before we let you go. Um, experiencing that All Star Show, uh, seeing all those fans there, racing against some of the best in the country at your home track. How was that? That was a dream come true. Um, racing with the All Stars has been on my bucket list for quite some time now. But you know, those guys come in and. They're freaking dogs, dude. They're fast. <laughs> They're not playing around, are they? Not at all. In qualifying, I was flat foot around that track going as fast as I could, and I felt like I laid down a a real quick lap and go back and look at the speed charts and we're like 20-second fast. So <laughs> that was that was a rude awakening. Um, but that place was definitely packed. Tim Wilbur and Jenny Wilbur, they have put a ton of work into that track, and um, definitely flipped it upside down. So hats off to them and everything they've done. So um, look forward to having the All-Stars back there at Butler. And I go, and again, I know that probably uh, people will say, well, yeah, he should have. He's the track champion. He should know that place better than anybody else. But second-year driver, uh, first-year racing against a caliber of a field like that, 37 cars on the property, and you managed to make your way into the main event. I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to, uh, but you, you managed to race your way into the show, which is no small feat, so uh, nicely done on that. So, uh, Trey, last thing Thank before you. we let you go, how can folks uh, – was, was, that's what I was getting at was your fan base. How can folks keep in track with what you got going on and uh, make sure they don't miss an opportunity to see you on the racetrack? For sure. You can, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Trey McGranahan Racing, um, Instagram, Trey McGranahan Racing. We post all types of updates and stuff on there all, all year long. So that's how people can stay in touch with us and message us, fans, everything like that. So um, we encourage fans and stuff to reach out and chat with us as much as you want. So anything like that is welcome. All right, Trey, man, congratulations on a nice run this season. Your 2023 Butler Motor Speedway Pals Tire 410 Sprint Car Champion, Trey McGranahan. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you guys very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, Zach, it's that time of the month again. Uh, it's been a couple of months since anybody really scared Gary's quiz for, that made us nervous. So uh, I'm feeling pretty cut. And, and I reviewed the quiz that Gary sent this week. And I don't think I have anything to worry about this, this month either <laughs> in September. But we're going to find out and make it official uh, on the phone lines now for his Gary Did You Know segment. Gary Lindell, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. How you doing, Rich? How you doing, Zach? It's good to be back. Gary, and as it's we said, great to talk to you. We had a lot again. of fun Saturday at the Glass City. Yes, we did. I got to knock one off the list. I got to announce with Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer Gary Lindahl. I've announced with two Hall of Famers now that I'm aware. Maybe three, actually, because uh, I've announced with, with Gary. I've announced with um, uh, Chief. And I announced yep. with Big Ed. I think those are the yep, three. You got it. So there you go. And I have, to clarify, I have to clarify something. Just we can have a little bit of fun, a laugh here before we get Gary going here. But so I'm getting ready to leave the tower, and I say, Zach, are you coming down to have a Pepsi? No, I'm going home. I said, Well, I'm going to go down and catch Gary. He goes, Gary left too. Gary said he was leaving. So I go down there. Gary's sitting there, and I uh. said, Zach said, Zach said you were leaving. He goes, What? So apparently he meant leaving the tower, not the property. So, yeah, yeah, so two buckets of Pepsi's later, <laughs> uh, me, and Gary, me and Gary finally left the Toledo Speedway. Well, yeah, that was a misinterpretation. So I'll know better for next time. So you were yeah, next time, you know, uh, next time I know. Hey, let's get into this what? quiz. This, uh, this okay. quiz, I'm kind of looking at this too, Rich. 
this doesn't necessarily look like uh, the the old hard to answer questions. This looks like we might have a couple of modern ones in here. Am I wrong? Well, you know, you could uh, you could actually. Possibly somebody ought to be able to get some of these. I All would right. think. I like it. I like it. Let's go. Here Rich. we go. Let's do it. How about, right. how about it, Gary? Okay. Question number one: What was George Roberts' favorite kind of car to drive? Th- that doesn't count for what I just said. That one, I have no clue. I know. I know it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would. It would help me immensely if I knew who George Roberts was. <laughs> See, that's why these. That's why these quizzes are what that's they why, are. That's why we do them, right? That's why we do them. That's why you learn the history of Michigan racing. Well, you're you're a heck of a teacher, Gary. Question number two. Question number two. Who would you consider the longest running sponsor around Berlin Raceway? I think this one might be mm. a, a little uh, Gary play. I think this might be a little Gary play. I like it. Well, you know what? You're going to have probably some answers, but if you think about it. This one makes the most sense. It sure does. I like that one. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, question number three. This former street stock driver now promotes a racetrack in Michigan. He drove a Ford Granada. Name the driver and the track. And this is the, mm. this is the track that he now promotes. Is that correct? That, that is correct, okay. yes. All right, very good. That is correct. And question number four. <laughs> it's kind of in my wheelhouse. I grew up with these guys. Big Bill Yonkin was an open-wheel car owner and has three well-known drivers. Name them. Mm-hmm. I know that, that when you do that, they never get all three. I knew the first one. I knew the first name. Uh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't oh. have got it, but I recognize it at least is what I mean. This is it, well, be, see, there this, you go. Yeah, this is going to be some work for Brad and AJ this week. Yeah, they're going to have to do some research. <laughs> it, it they're going to right. gonna have to spend some time on Google is what I'm saying. Oh, man. Hey, see, that's, that's awesome. See, and those guys are learning so much when they go on there and look for those answers. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Gary, I got a question for you. Uh, 30, yes, indeed. 35th running in the Glass City on Saturday. Does that Have you been to all 35 of them? No, I have not, but I have been to the majority of them. Was that? The- um, you know, I used to go to the race uh, when they had it on Sundays when Grandfather, when Markham had it and did the deal. So I went to uh, uh, quite a few of those. I don't think I went to every one of them because I was coming from Jackson. And, you know, so I think uh, the majority of them I did, but from 99 on, I've announced every one. Rich and I were so- talking about, about how wild it was in this day and age to see a template late model race have a fuel mileage uh, aspect to it. I just kind of wanted to give you a second here. Kind of give us some of your thoughts from the Glass City on Saturday. Well, you know, the, uh, the one thought, Zach, and, and we discussed that, and I discussed that with a lot of drivers. And, you know, and, and the drivers had indicated, you know, save your tires, do this. That was some, They didn't really talk about the strategy, <laughs> but we kind of figured out about the strategy. Not a one of them said anything about a fuel mileage deal yeah. or running out of fuel. And we talked afterwards <clears throat> in the bar and grill, which I did not leave. Anyway, <laughs> we talked about that, and we talked to some guys in there. You know, and I talked to a veteran, Scott Hansen, and, and some of them were going, well, I thought they had to have 22-gallon fuel cells. And then the discussion was, well, maybe some of them had 15-gallon fuel cells. But, you know, see, when Bubba Pollard was making those pit stops, he was topping off the fuel. And everybody else that went in there to do that were topping off on fuel. Right. Whereas that rest of that group that went that full 
uh, you know, 75 or whatever, and I'm, it just shocked the heck out of us. Here's what I'll tell shocked you. Shocked the heck out of us. Here's what I'll say. If I'd have stopped and had some Pepsis, I'd have said, they may be required to have 22-gallon fuel cells, but they probably aren't required to have 22 gallons of fuel in them. So no, that, that's true. That no, might, that's that might have been part of the There's always a game, gamemanship, and that's what actually goes on with those guys. And if you, you know, and you know, sometimes they go down to the ounce or whatever like that because you want to save weight, you want to be faster. Helps the tires, the less weight you got. You know, oh, yeah. there's so many variables in that deal. But you got to be a pretty good engineer and a fuel strategist. But you know, that's really the first time that it's. I've ever talked about fuel mileage at Toledo Speedway. Well, I, th- I think we have figured out that um, in a super late model in this day and age, on a half mile, <laughs> you better have fuel to buy by the time you get to 140 laps or you're going to be iffy because that's about and You're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> that's about as far as a couple of them made it. <laughs> well, Gary, man. Well, I'll a- tell you what. It really hurt time Majeski because we yeah, were talking about that afterwards, too. And they were saying that he might have hurt that motor when he ran out of fuel. Yeah, that's right. We did question that. And then you look at Gio Ruggiero. He ran out of fuel, went a lap down before the caution came out. Didn't get a caution in time to get a lap back. So it hurt him on that strategy, too. Cole Butcher was leading the race, run out of fuel, got to the back, ends up going through the grass. I mean, it was was a really wild Saturday night at Toledo Speedway. Yes, it was, and you know, I mean, a lot of you know, and I had people. I had just had asked somebody asked me again tonight. You know, texted me and goes, "How many cars do they have?" Well, we had eighteen beautiful race cars, and you go through that field, and there were literally, we were thinking ten, twelve, fourteen guys that the way it worked out could have won that race. Absolutely. So you know, if you got fourteen out of eighteen guys. Come on. And I don't know about you. Know, that's you. pretty darn stout. I don't know about you, uh, Rich or Gary, but I wasn't necessarily circling, circling Jesse Love as the guy going to victory lane in the first 100 laps of that race. No, no not at all. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and get, me and Gary watched Jesse Love the last two years sitting on the front straightaway in an Arkham Menard Series race after he ran <laughs> second. Yeah. Right? One, to Sam, one to Sammy Smith and last year to William Sawalich. And yeah. I said, I, this has got – Poor Jesse's got second written all over himself again, right? And, boy, that last 50, he just got really, really good. Yeah, it was good. Well, I think that last, whatever that last pit strategy was, for those guys, they really made the right moves because they really had that, that car stepped up. You know, so it was uh, interesting. Well, Gary, but it was a fun race, interesting race, and everybody that, uh, you know, I've talked to that actually was at the race said, yeah. wow. Sure hope we do that next year. Absolutely. And I do too. Gary, it was a pleasure to get a chance to work with you, my friend. Uh, thank, thank you yeah. for the hospitality. That was that was great. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to doing it again. All righty, man. Cool. Thanks, Gary. You we'll guys. talk to you. All right. Catch up with you, Rich. You got it, man. All right. Bye. Well, Zach, uh, a champion that uh, we usually we don't get out to the west side of the state very often. We gotta, you know, we get to the end of the season and say, oh, we should get out there. Yeah. Well, we got somebody on the show. Picked up a late model championship at the Thunderbird Raceway. Makes his home in Muskegon, Michigan. Tom Sprague Jr. For a first time, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thank you, man. Congratulations on your championship uh, this year. Um, talk about pretty easy, a struggle, a little work somewhere in the middle. How would you rank it? Um. I definitely have to say it was um, a struggle. I mean, it's been, gosh, it's been a long time since I've won a championship or put forth the effort to uh, 
go through with, you know, really trying to, uh, make it to the end and win the championship. And, um, took a lot of sacrifice, uh, you know, and a lot of hard work and dedication between myself and my, my son. And, uh, at the end, you know, we came out victorious. And you guys are pretty committed, um, you know, that, that a lot of late model drivers are not, they, they tend to go drift uh, down the road a little bit. You guys are pretty committed and are dedicated, uh, to Thunderbird Raceway. Yeah, we have been, um, it's like five minutes away from my house. So it's almost, you know, <laughs> that's hard to pass. Not a, it, it's hard not to, but, um, next year we're, we're definitely thinking about doing some traveling though. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, there's there's some obvious things I want to talk about, but you come back and you decide, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to run for a championship, and maybe that's a decision that's made after week two when you show up and win, uh, and now you're like, well, crap, we're kind of here. Now what do we do? You return the next week, fourth, fourth, seventh, third, second, second, first, first. Oh, man, we are in the thick of it. Um, but so now you've, you've done that, right? You put in the effort 21 shows at Thunderbird Raceway this year. And uh, of those 21, eight wins, 17 top fives, and how about this, 20 top 10 finishes and 21 appearances at Thunderbird Raceway. Tom, what a stellar performance here for 2023. I mean, just just before we move on to the possibility of traveling next year, when you hear those stats, I mean, it's kind of staggering for me. I mean, you're almost perfect inside the top 10 this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really was... um a uh, heck of a year. I mean, you never think about that when you go into a year. Yeah, I'm going to have this stupendous year. And then things just kind of happened. And um, my son puts in so much hard work to make sure that the car's on point. And it just really was flawless year this year. But uh, before we get too far, let me clarify. Um, I won one. I won six super features. I won one feature in a street stock and one in a pro late model okay so, so you got eight. that's right you got to look at the bottom here uh of these of these races on my race pass to, to check what division he's running in uh because yeah you're right that's uh that's a good point it, but too that i think that adds to it maybe uh more laps around a racetrack is not a bad thing is it no it's not um we've turned a lot of laps at thunderbird over the years um i just happened to have the opportunity to drive my dad's street stock one night and um or two nights and then um I got to race uh, one of our uh, pro late models at uh, Rolling Thunder and was lucky enough to win the feature. So let's talk about this family affair a little bit. Uh, for those who hear us say Tom Sprague, again, it's Tom Sprague Jr. that we're talking about. But um, I think your dad had a lot to do with getting Thunderbird Raceway kind of back on the map, if you will. I mean, obviously, he was at the helm when uh, the American Ethanol Tours were coming through town, Rich, you'll remember that. Uh, actually, wait a minute. Thunderbird is the one racetrack I haven't ever got you to, isn't it, Rich? Yes, I have. Ne you, to be honest with you, I think Thunderbird is one of the two tracks that I have never been to in the state of Gosh, Michigan, we believe it or change not. That. That track, Don't hold that against me, That Tom, track right? races so good, <laughs> i got to get you there. So anyhow, uh, I guess I would blow into town with the American Ethanol Tours and, and the Great Lakes Super Sprints and... Uh, you know, it was the work that your dad and, and your family put in to kind of get this place back on the map, in my opinion. Uh, but, Tom, kind of talk about that and, and watching your dad put in the work with this place. Obviously, he had background at other racetracks before Thunderbird, but um, to just just this hometown racetrack in Muskegon for you guys, 
watching your dad put his put his life into this. What was that like for you? It was um, pretty surreal. I mean, it was um, pretty much on the brink of um, never being open again. Yeah, and um, things kind of happened, and he stepped in, and with a lot of, I mean, a lot of hours and a lot of hard work, um, he brought it back to life. And um, there for a while, it was, you know, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, I would say it was probably one of the best tracks in Michigan. And um, had a big, uh, last um, last year that he had it, I think he, the track averaged like 177 cars a night. Oh, my goodness. Which, um is really unheard of. I don't think there's any place in the nation that averages that many cars a night. So it was really, it was really something. Um, and then to be able to race there and, um, it was really cool. Um, I, I, I can't even say enough on how much hard work it was, you know, my dad and there was lots of other people that were involved, you know, workers and this and that. But I mean, it was just, it was really cool to see it come back and um, um, to see the before and after pictures um, with trees growing in the corners and, you know, no into what it is now. It is crazy. I don't think I ever saw any of the pictures of it so dilapidated before your dad took it. That would that would be really interesting oh, to see. There's somewhere, um, I'm not sure, I don't think I have any on my phone, but I know it pops up on Facebook every once in a while, you oh. know. Um, memories from somebody and um, it shows like there was literally you know trees growing through the the track and it was just so run down and I mean it was it was just like I like I say it was just about ready to go um, go under and never open again but Tom I think you, you go through all that and and you see all the successes and then I think the last three years people got a little nervous right so you had three different promoters, really, in the last three years that that, that have been running things. Um, how did you kind of – how were you involved with that, and, and, and how did you like it? Um, you always go into something like that with hopes of, you know, it remaining the same or, you know, possibly being better, but um, it hasn't worked out so well. Um, it's, you know, got another new owner, and – you know, they're trying real hard and, um, but everybody likes the way it was, but with, you know, every time a business changes hands, there's always changes that go along with it the way they think things should be. Well, that's what, you know, Zach and I talk all the time. Anybody with a keyboard is a better promoter than any of <laughs> us or any, or any of the ones that are actually doing it are right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Keyboard cowboys or whatever you want to call them. What was it like? Um, was it hard to to see the track leave your your family name, or could you see that your your dad really needed needed to let it go? Or I mean, kind of take take you know, us through that side of it. Yeah, it really was. I mean, um, he owned obviously he owned a track before he owned Winston, and now then he owned Thunderbird, and um, I think it was like fifteen years or sixteen years of his life that he dedicated to these and. He missed out on a lot. I mean, he said um, he hasn't got to race like he used to. And um, now that it's, you know, changed hands and he's gotten out and been able to race, I see a smile on his face and he has a good time on Saturday nights. And, um, you know, life is too short um, to always be or 
I should say, not to have fun. And he's having fun again. And, I mean, he loved the racetrack thing, but he loves racing too. So, but it's good to see him, you know, all having a good time and enjoying life. And now he still has an involvement with the racetrack in some form. Is that right? Um, I'm not sure on how <laughs> much involvement. I mean, I yeah. know he offers his advice and, you know, things like that. Um, and he does do a little bit of this and that, but I'm not exactly sure, you know, what all the details are on what he's involved with. Gotcha. Well, let's go back to you, uh, Tom and, and what you've done. So the direction I was headed was, you know, you, you do all this racing this year. So I think it ends up being, what is it? Uh, once you take away the street stock and the pro late model, uh, 19 races, I think. And, uh, so the stats are still pretty good. You get done with this effort and you, and you wrap up that championship, does that give you the the confidence that you need to hit the road, or what does it give you? Because I, I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak kind of brassly here, or, or kind of straightforward here. When I think Tom Sprague Jr., I think Thunderbird Raceway. I, I don't I don't think of you racing anywhere else. No, no Crystal, you know, no Winston, no I ninety six, no Merritt, you know, Tri City, Thunderbird Raceway. What what is the the part of you that changes now after this championship to say, you know what, we want to take this twenty one S and we want to hit the road. Um, it's definitely the confidence part. Um, uh, if you can't win at your home track, there's no sense in going out and traveling. Okay. Um, now that, you know, we've had this car for, um, a solid year and, you know, we got everything, um, um, in order and everything is clicking and, um, I feel like, um, it's time to go test other waters i'm not sure if we'll um dedicate ourselves to any one racetrack um but again life is too short to you know stay stagnant and um i think we need to go out and have some fun and go to some other places there's what? some other places out of out of state that i want to hit okay i'm not getting any younger <laughs> what is the so, uh, i mean are you eyeballing like are you going to put together your own kind of tour that you want to hit? Or are you thinking Mars or what, what are you thinking? You know, at this point, I haven't thought too much about that. Um, that is a good series. Um, but, um, I, I haven't been to crystal in a, a, a number of years. I haven't been to I 96. Um, um, any, any place really in, Michigan I haven't been to in a lot of years and um I want to try try to hit some of them and there's some places in Illinois that I haven't hit before and um I'm thinking maybe you know maybe travel down to Attica or maybe even test our waters test the waters at Eldora again you know just some just some different things and um hope for the best Tom what do you say I mean I mean I hear it all the time because Zach and I are so in involved in around people with dirt late model racing what the people would say oh you're just racing against guys that don't want to go anywhere else i don't see that rich neither the former winner on the american ethanol tour um let me and let me read this you, to you real quick rich yeah, to make yeah. your point bill bray rich neezer Derek passanier right nick ely uh rob taylor all great late model drivers that that he races against on a regular basis and, and so so i mean st state your case because i think you guys run uh, I think you run against some top talent every night you show up at the racetrack. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, uh, there's, 
there's lots of guys that um, I race against on a weekly weekly basis that I have total respect for and that they can win on any given night. Um, so to say that you, you know, you beat uh, the best around here, um, that's a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty big step. And for us to do it after a number of years of not being real competitive or, you know, and not having the effort or the chance to do it, you know, um, I'm pretty proud of the guys that I race against and uh, the ones that I beat. By the way, Greg Gokey, two wins. Ryan Vanderveen, two wins. Uh, then you go up three wins apiece for uh, for Matthew Sprague and Rich Neeser, two wins for Bill Bray, and then six for yourself, Tom. Uh, and, and finally, I did find the stats I was looking for. 18 features with the supercar, 14 top fives, and 17 top tens. So the stats still pretty much stay the same. Uh, just that one 11th place finish that kept you out of that uh, that straight top ten finish season. Um, and how about the family side of it, too? Talking about Matthew and Andy, kind of connect the family tree for us a little bit there. Who are you racing against uh, inside the family there? Yeah, um, uh, Matt, uh, Andy's my brother. And, uh, Matthew's my nephew. Great. Um, they, you know, both great racers. And, um, um, I feel privileged to be able to race against them. And, um, it's a lot of fun. Now I, I've, I've had the rare opportunity to race against my dad, uh, before we kind of hung the helmets up, but I don't have any true siblings that I would ever have a chance to race against. So you got to tell me what it's like to race against your brother. First of all, are you the older brother or the younger brother? I'm the older. Oh, so, and, um, so there's no way, there's no way you can let the little brother win, right? <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep that guy behind you at all costs. <laughs> um, that's always the goal, but um, uh, it's not always easy. Um, he's a hell of a racer, and um, uh, it's definitely competitive. How? Um, what's that? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please finish your thought. Oh, I was just gonna say. Um, yeah, I, there's, you know, of course, you know, I don't like when he beats me, but, you know, it's all it's all good, you know. And there's got to um, be a sense of, too, you talk about your son helping you in the pits, but I, I know that the uncle-nephew relationship is sometimes is, is very similar for some families to a father-son relationship. What's it been like to watch Matthew go to Victory Lane this year? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, he's young, and um, this is, uh, I think this is his, can't remember if it's his first or second year in supers, but, um, yeah, he's, he's good. He's going to be a good, he's going to be a good shoe. Uh, a few more years, you know, he's going to be battling definitely for a championship, whether it's at Thunderbird or someplace else, he's definitely going to be there. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom, this is pretty cool, uh, to, to see you. Well, and, and I, I guess you kind of mentioned it at the top. Did you come into this season thinking we're running all 18 shows and we want the big trophy at the end of the year, or did you kind of fall into it? Um, any, well, with me, anytime I go into a season, it's, it's fresh and you always, you know, you always say, yep, this is my year. And of late, you know, the last, I don't know, five, six years, I, you know, I do that and then have some, you know, DNFs and some crashes and some, this is and that's, and it kind of takes you out of it. So then you just race, but this year, you know, um, without any, you know, going, going into the season, you know, I was like, yep, you know, we're going to, you know, this is going to be a good year. And then it ends up being a spectacular year. And, um, but the pressure and the, um, 
you know, whatever you want to say, um, the last four nights, I mean, it gets tough because, you know, you're only a certain amount of points ahead of second place and you have an off night or something happens early in the night or something like that, you know, it really wears on you. And, but in the end, you know, uh, we happened to win and it was, it was pretty cool. And Tom, a lot of the guys we talked to, you know, just to follow up on Zach, we talked to him and they, um, we're running for points, which means last lap, you don't throw that last, you know, that slider in turns three and four, because you know, you're running for points and you're going to take the second place points instead of piling a couple cars up in the fence, or you have the attitude of saying, we're going out to win races and the points will take care of themselves. Yeah, definitely. That's how we were. It was every night we showed up, um, we had a car that would win. And so every, every night we showed up, it was always, we're here to win races. Um, I kind of lost sight of that towards the end. It was kind of like, um, I was points racing, but yet in the back of my mind, I don't like losing. So I was there to win also. <laughs> is that, is that, tell me, is that not the most uncomfortable feeling in the world behind the steering wheel of a race car? Oh, yes. Um, absolutely. But the other thing is, as soon as you put the helmet on and you, you get in the car and you, uh, you know, the first lap, everything goes out the window. You don't think about nothing else but winning. I mean, you really don't. Unless you get crashed, then it's like, oh dang! That's what I tell. That's what I tell Zach all the time. I say, you know, it's not sitting in the car. It's once they tighten that helmet up. That's right. Everything changes. All the compression on the brain really hurts the things uh, that that go through there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, I'm I'm a nervous wreck every night. No matter if I'm racing for points or I'm not, I'm nervous until you you hit the hit the track and you know, you get the green flag. After that, I don't remember anything other than racing. Well, Tom, I, I guess uh, it, in closing here, the last couple of things uh, that I have on my mind um, are th- the fact that your dad has done such a great job as a promoter. Do you see yourself when it's when the time comes thinking about getting yourself involved? I'm not saying owning a racetrack or promoting a racetrack, uh, but... Do you think that you have that in you to, to kind of go down the path that your dad went and be a part of racing in some other way? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I really never even thought about that. I mean, um, I don't ever admit to age, you know, sometimes you wake up in the morning (laughs) and it it reminds you real quick, but, um, I really haven't thought about that. All I, all I really think about right now is, you know, the next year of racing. I don't think about, Oh, what happens when you hang a helmet up? What are you going to do? Um, so I honestly can't answer that. I mean, maybe, um, I might, you know, take a role in some kind of other racing, but, uh, or, you know, other part of racing. And then, um, but I really haven't thought about it. I really haven't. I just, I just think, you know, we just got done racing and, uh, um, all I'm thinking about is what I'm going to do for next year and what do we got to do to get ready for next year? And the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I save this kind of as a best for last thing, um, in, and I don't want to take away from your part of the interview, but I think that, I think that you'll be okay with it because I think you really appreciate what he's done. Uh, last year, uh, your dad inducted into the hall of fame. How was that? Um, <laughs> that's been a long time coming. Um, I didn't know how to get 
you know, because there's a lot of steps that you have to go through in order to kind of get like nominated so, or yeah. Whatever, so had you been right? su- had you been submitting the story and things like that on his behalf? No, I, that's just it. I didn't know how to get to that point. I got gotcha. you. And I've been thinking about it for like oh gosh, um, probably five six years because I mean he has he's basically resurrected two racetracks from basically on the brink of death and to be super successful. Um, he's won multiple championships. He's owned, um, multiple, um, race cars and, um, for different people. Um, he has put his heart and soul into racing. I mean, there's not anybody around at least dirt racing uh, or pavement racing, probably that hasn't heard of him. And when he finally got, um, inducted, I mean, I was in tears. I mean, that was just, that was amazing. I mean, I, I know a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people and, you know, aside from him being my dad, I mean, I can't imagine somebody that has contributed so much to racing, not being inducted. It was really, it was really truly an honor to be there and to see it. And for him to be my dad, that was even, that was even more amazing than anything else. It it even sounds like you're kind of not necessarily, but it sounds like you're a little worked up about it right now, telling it back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. super proud of him. I mean, like I say, that was that was a long time coming, and it was truly amazing. That's a great night, great memory, Tom. Uh, man, congratulations! Twenty twenty three Thunderbird Raceway Late Model Track Champion with a great season uh, in tow as well. Seventeen top tens out of eighteen starts and uh, six feature wins along the way. Tell us who it is that makes it possible for you to have done what you did this year. Oh. um Sprague's Auto Parts, of course, my dad, um, Midwest Paint, Geikama Construction, um, Dirt Defender Race Products, Tees Tap Bar and Grill, Mullins Race Engines, a Manufacturing, um, MB Consulting, which is my son, and um, Batteries Unlimited, all, all-star performance. They're all, you know, they're all a huge part of everything that I do. Well, man, especially my son, you know, without him, um, I couldn't remember all the things that he does <laughs> for sure, man. Well, it's pretty cool, uh, that you, uh, keep, keep the generations going. How many is it by the way? How if your son helping out Matthew racing? What, what generation are we on of Sprague's, uh, on the racetrack? Oh, well, there's my dad, there's me, there's my brother, Matthew. So it's like, it's yeah. Like, it's like three or four. Yeah, yeah. So four or five, yeah. That's that's good stuff, man. Well, hey, congratulations, uh, Tom Sprague Jr. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us tonight. And, uh, man, best of luck. I'm excited now to see what you're going to do next year. Maybe, uh, Rich, maybe we'll get to see Tom at a racetrack that's not Thunderbird Raceway, and that'll be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, you will. <laughs> All right, cool. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you. So now let's get into what's what we have up, upcoming this weekend, Zach, and we, we talked about it, but now let's get into some of the times that we have available that we can put out. Friday and Saturday, the 28th annual Owasso Nationals, the Bob Finley Memorial, $20,067 to win, 100 laps for the Outlaws Super Late Models. Like we said, it's a combination reveal the hammer and quad crown championship event at Owasso. So you mean to uh, tell me, by the way, let's just clarify this, Wonder, yeah. some somebody could take home over thirty thousand dollars Saturday by winning the um, championship. I don't know if they're going to get it Saturday, but well, but that yeah, the championship, yeah, yeah, 
between that and the champion, yes. Oh, yes, that could happen. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. In an outlaw late model race, Zach. Wow. Unreal. Unreal. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Rex. We love you. Rex, uh, Wheeler <laughs> Trucking. Uh, I don't know what well, I don't know what to promote for Wheeler Trucking, but we'll promote it uh, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> they need the support. Uh, and, Rich, we were talking about all the super late models, but my uh, second favorite pavement division is going to be there as well. Uh, that, of course, the Open Wheel Modifieds scheduled to be there as well. They'll race for a fun 67-themed uh, payout as well, and and we don't want to necessarily say what that is because it could have changed. Uh, but it was, it was a good payout. Let's just let's just yeah, be it, clear about yeah, that. It, it was right around two thousand dollars before yeah. it may have gone up. So yeah. I and and I couldn't find if it changed or what it is now. But that's a pretty good chunk of change it's before a great chunk of change. And by the way, so. uh, Owasso Speedway is the home of some of the best modified drivers in the region. Absolutely. So it's going to be a damn good show Saturday. And uh, Rich will have coverage for you. If you can't make the trip, uh, we understand. Find Horsepower Happenings on Facebook or Twitter, and Rich will have all the updates that he can possibly muster for you on Saturday from that one. And, uh, Rich, it's it's kind of a dual weekend thing as well. We talked about camping being sold out, but if you can find a buddy that will let you throw up a tent or something, you could really make a weekend out of the Owasso Nationals. Well, you could. So what they're going to do is they're going to start out with practice on Friday, Zach, at 1 o'clock. Um, they'll run alternating practices throughout the afternoon. Uh, they'll have a mini wedge program at 6.45 p.m. on Friday, and then optional heat races to follow, so they're not mandatory. The heat races are not mandatory. Then once the heat races are done, they'll have a live band at 9 p.m. or at the conclusion of their heat race events on Friday. And then we come back on Saturday, practice at noon, uh, group qualifying for the house divisions at 4.10, outlaw super late model qualifying at 5 o'clock. Then at 6 o'clock, they kick off with the last B mains and go right into feature racing at 6 p.m. And from what I saw, the Bob Finley Memorial is the third event out of the gate at six o'clock going to be a great show and uh can't wait to see the updates from you rich i, I am bummed that i can't make it there but uh again got to take care of some other responsibilities so uh, i'll be tuned in on the facebook and the twitter we're looking at your updates so good stuff want to say thanks so much to trey and to uh tom for making time to talk to chat with us tonight and uh really i can't believe that we're already talking to season champions rich it feels like we should still be going for another two months at least uh, but uh, nonetheless, that's the case here around Michigan. So congratulations to the champions that have been crowned. We'll get to you. Trust us. We'll get to you. We've got a long offseason coming up. But until then, for Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.